today, what gets attention and stands out uh, are, are good ideas, ideas that are both intellectually interesting and emotionally compelling to prospects. This is Three Marketers Walk Into a Podcast, episode 43. You're listening to Three Marketers Walk Into a Podcast, brought to you by the fine folks at Response Suite. Hey, this is Rob and Kennedy Hello. from Response Suite. And we're really excited to be joined by today's guest. We're going to be speaking to the man himself, Mr. Todd Brown. Todd, well, he's doing some massive stuff, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. And he's spending a lot of money on Facebook ads. Yeah, I mean, he talks about in this episode how he's spending around 90 grand a month on Facebook ads. And what we're going to do in this episode is dig into everything he's learned from doing just that, about creating extremely well-performing funnels and turning ad spend into actual revenue. We're going to get into that in just a few moments' time. Now we should warn you, this episode is not sugar-coated. He's not going to tell you that you can just spend a couple of dollars today and make a million dollars tomorrow. No, no, no. No, 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 no. He's the opposite of a motivational speaker, but he's a realist speaker, yeah. as he likes to call himself. So I know we've, we've done a lot of Facebook ads. You've done Facebook ad coaching and consulting for people, Rob. Where are you at with these big numbers and trying to get a return on them? I mean, it's hard. It is. And again, as we're going to talk about in this episode, it has become more and more difficult to get a return on investment from Facebook. That doesn't mean, however, that Facebook ads don't work, which is this thing you hear banded around a lot. Well, I tried that and it didn't work. Well, that means you didn't do it properly or you're looking at it the wrong way. I think a lot of people do not think they just give up too quickly. They're like, well, I've, I saw on this blog post or I saw on this, on this YouTube channel or even this training that I bought that if you put a, n- a number of dollars in, you're going to get a number of dollars out. And there's quite a quick return on that because of, I don't know, these tricks tripwire offers. That's where you get somebody to come along to your website, opt in, give you that email address and immediately present them with an offer. I mean, that's one way of, they say that they, they used to be called self-liquidating offers, didn't yeah. they? Because back in the day, I mean, we're talking about 10 to 15 years ago, at that point, you could actually use those offers to pay for your traffic. Those days are gone. And as Todd says in this episode, they are long gone. And that's okay. But I think it's about managing expectations. So the reason why Facebook ads don't work is people are expecting too much from them. If you're expecting that I'm going to be able to get in a car today and fly to the moon, the the car doesn't work because it's not meant to do that. And it's, that's never going to be able to do that. So I think you actually have to be able to set expectations and know that actually with your Facebook ads, the goal of that is to build a list of customers in Todd's eyes, build a list of subscribers if you prefer to take that route and obviously then use t- time to turn them into customers. But if you set your expectation as actually what I'm going to do is I'm going to pay some money today. It's going to build me a list of customers who I can sell more stuff to in the future. Happy days. That's and that's the, the case. We're talking about buying customers. And I think never before has it been more important to buy customers rather than just leads. That's something we do talk about. Hey, I want to give a big shout out to one of our listeners. Jack Brister left, left us a really lovely review over on iTunes. If you haven't already, by the way, do so. We'll give you a shout out and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk about you as well. Jack said, I love this podcast, especially love both with both Simon Thompson and JLD. That's John Lee Dumas' episodes. Back on episode 31. And also we spoke to JLD, John Lee Dumas himself, back on episode 40. You should definitely check those ones out. And anyway, back to Jack's little review here. He said, really helped with starting my podcast. Yes, do I do. Always look forward to the latest episode coming out. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Jack Brister. Isn't that great? Somebody taking the stuff they're learning from this very here podcast and putting it into action, actually getting results. Love so if you, if you are listening to this on iTunes, pop over, leave us a review, leave us some stars, leave us some words. Remember to leave your name. If you've got a web 
website or something you want us to give us a little name check to, we're dead happy to do that. Go do that now. It really helps us. And of course, if we can help you in the process of doing it, we'd love to. So without further ado, I want to head into Rob's quote of the week. As they say, don't run in the house with scissors because the tiger is in sight. Little food for thought for you there today, ladies and gentlemen. Little food for thought. Now, of course, if you are any kind of high ticket coach, if you've got a consultancy program or something where you need to gather a bit of information for people from people before they actually work with you, you need some kind of application form. And Rob, have, Rob and I have spent considerable time nerding out and geeking out about what makes a good coaching program? What makes a good coaching application form that actually attracts the right kind of people who are going to be most likely to become customers? And secondly, how can you deal with those people as we go through? What questions should we be asking them? What order should we be asking them in? And even lay out things like what color things should be to get the most qualified people to apply for your coaching program and to, of course, sort of deter the people who are not going to be a good fit for you. And we've distilled all that information down into something actually we're going to sell, but we decided to give it away to you for free for listening to this podcast. We call it the perfect application form and you can download the entire template with all of the psychology behind it sort of unpicked over at exactly where, Robert? Just head over to perfectapplicationform.com. You can have it for free. So this week we are speaking to Todd Brown and without further ado, let's get into this week's interview. Mr. Todd Brown, welcome to Three Marketers Walk Into a Podcast. How's it going? Good, man. I'm super excited to be with you guys. We are really excited. Look, there's a lot of people running or trying to run paid advertising, whether it be from Facebook or from Google's display network or whatever the heck they're calling it this week. But you're doing a really good job of it. While some people are teaching it and some people are trying, you've been consistently making it work. I mean, I'm sure like it hasn't always been perfect, but what's like your secret for creating a marketing campaign that actually stands out in such a saturated market, just like the one you're in? Yeah. So there are two things that you got to do. Uh, I believe today, both for paid traffic, making, you know, paid traffic work, being able to acquire customers and, uh, and for standing out in any kind of saturated or crowded marketplace. The two things are number one, you, you got to have a compelling idea, right? It's no longer about screaming a louder promise. It's no longer about uh, using hyped up, exaggerated, bloated marketing copy, you know, loaded with adjectives, adverbs, and all of these kind of crazy, wacky claims. Today, what gets attention and stands out is uh, are, are good ideas, ideas that are both intellectually interesting and emotionally compelling to prospects. And so number one, before you write a single word of copy, before you work on a headline, before you think about what it is that you're going to say in your marketing campaign, you got to make sure that you develop what we refer to as a big marketing idea, which is an idea that meets the criteria that I just mentioned. That's the first thing. Uh, the second thing uh, to make it work is you got to have a great offer. You got to have what we refer to as a sin offer, which is superior, irresistible, and no brainer. Like you can't have an offer that is run of the mill, like, hey, pay 40 bucks, you get the product. And if you don't like it, return it. You know, you can't have a whole hum offer. You have to put together, you have to assemble, you have to engineer an offer that is so good. It becomes difficult for your prospects to say no to it becomes more difficult for them to say no to the offer than it is to say yes. And so big marketing idea that gets attention instead of hype. And you got to have an over the top offer that makes it extremely difficult to say no. That's really, really cool. I have, I have this saying, which is I want to make an offer which is so good, you would have to actually be stupid to not buy it. 
I love it. I, I think, you know, I, I think that that's spot on, man. I think, you know, I think that that gets talked about often. I think that there are a lot of entrepreneurs and marketers out there that um, have heard that, have read that kind of that's in their, their journal. But then for whatever reason, when it comes time to put together an offer, they go with the typical standard, like, here's my product. Here's the price. There's a little bit of a guarantee, a couple of bonuses that we threw together and, and there you go. And they don't invest the time, energy, and effort into putting together an offer that is just ferocious, you know, and that's the game. The game, like the game is like, you have to start with an over the top offer, an incredible offer, an offer that's so good. It makes you uncomfortable to, to actually put it out into the marketplace. And then to get attention, you develop a big marketing idea for your your campaign. You get it, you use the big marketing idea to get attention and then some other pieces to create engagement and belief. And then the, the offer to, uh, to turn a, a prospect, uh, into a buyer. I think that comes from the fact that so many people want to take the easy, lazy route. They want to throw a thing on the internet and make some money. And this has kind of led to us all being told that this funnel is best or that funnel is best. I mean, do you really think that funnels can be that, that cookie cutter that you need to have a $7 thing and then a $29 thing and then a $300 thing? And we should all, or do you think we should all be creating something unique, a funnel, a flow, a process that's unique to our brand, our niche, our products, our market? How does that work? Yeah, well, no, I do not think that there is any cookie cutter. Like, I think the idea of, you know, here's a fill in the blank uh, template that you can follow and you'll have a successful marketing campaign. Um, I think that that is ridiculous, especially today as we're recording this, this podcast. Um, I think that there are some best practices. I think that, you know, like, look, I think, you know, at the, uh, you know, the audience of every marketing campaign are human beings and human beings are all driven by uh, a certain small set of emotions. We're actually, you know, we're, we're simple creatures yet with a lot of complexity in our psychology. And so there are certain best practices, but, um, but the reality is this, that here, look, there are a lot of different ways to skin a cat. There are a lot of different campaigns that work. There are a lot of different marketing funnel models that work, but at the root of all of those different marketing funnel models, whether it's a tripwire, whether it's an evergreen webinar, whether it is a product launch, a multi-part video sequence, whatever it is that, you know, and there are, there are dozens of different marketing funnel models. At the root, in order to have a successful marketing campaign, you have to have an idea that an idea that is worthy of attention. You have to understand the right way to open up your marketing campaign so that you turn that attention into engagement. You have to propose or put forth a marketing argument that shows your prospect why uh, your product that you're about to offer them is the absolute best course of action for their needs, their wants, their desires, their situation right now. And then you've got to offer them a sin offer. You got to put together a killer offer. I don't care what model you use. If you lack those things, you are going to struggle to convert. And a lot of marketers make the mistake of thinking that the reason why they're not seeing the conversions is because they're using the wrong model. Like they think I'm using a, an evergreen webinar. Let me switch to a launch or let me go from a launch to a tripwire. And they don't realize that it's not the marketing model that's the issue. It's the idea, it's the argument, and it's the offer that are just off the mark. Yeah. And it's, it's really easy to get to, to, like you say, keep switching between all of those things. And for you, when you're trying to liquid, I mean, one of the big things we want to do is we all want to try and get an ROI, a return on investment as quickly as we possibly can from our marketing spend. 
what's typical now? Like, are you able, are we, is it still, are we living in a world where now we can put like a $7 tripwire or a $7 offer after an ad and expect to liquidate then? Or are those days long gone? Those days have been long gone. Uh, I, I think that like, look, there are, you know, there are the occasional campaign or funnel where, you know, people are profiting on the front end, meaning, you know, they're offering a tripwire with, you know, bump offers, upsells, downsells, you know, they have a full blown campaign together. There are the rare occasions where people are profiting, uh, you know, they're, they're spending $40 to get a customer and that customer is worth $60. But the reality is that the overwhelming majority of businesses today, uh, the overwhelming majority of campaigns today are not recouping 100% of ad spend on day zero. Meaning, you know, they're, they're offering, let's, let's take a, a very common type of campaign. We have a number of these out there, a book campaign, right? And so we talked earlier before the podcast about one of our books, the big marketing idea book. Uh, and, and so let me give you an example. Let me pull back the curtain for you. So we sell a $7 book, but the, when, when the typical customer goes through that campaign with the different value add offers that we have, the typical customer spends around $42 or $43 with us. So every time we sell a book for $7, that customer is really worth about $42, $43, give or take, and it fluctuates. But what people don't understand is that it costs us around $60 to get a customer. So in terms of ad spend, it costs us $60. We go out of pocket for 60 to generate a book buyer that is worth $42, $43. So in essence, you could say that with that particular campaign, we go in the hole on day zero by about $17. Why would we do that? Well, we do that because we know the lifetime value of a customer. For us, the lifetime value of a customer is in the thousands of dollars, right? People stay with us long-term. They invest in a lot of our, uh, a lot of our programs because we deliver phenomenal value and results and all that. Um, and so I know that I'm really operating like an investor. I'm investing a certain amount of money today. I'm investing $17 to get a new customer today that I know we're going to be able to deliver incredible value to over the next month, six months, year plus um, and that's going to allow us to recoup our ad spend. Does that make sense? It makes sense, but it sounds terrifying to a lot of people, I think. A lot of people who have seen all these massive, these amazing courses that you can buy on how to make a quick buck on the old Facebook ads by hitting boost post. It, sounds, it, <laughs> it, it, it could sound pretty, pretty intimidating. How long are you willing to go in the hole for? That sounds yeah. awful, doesn't it? How long yeah. are you willing to go there before that person turns profitable? Well, going in the hole does sound, uh, depending on how we want to take this podcast, that can sound really either terrible or depending on your audience. I I don't know. Um, But so let let me say this, that, uh, you know, that, look, the typical belief is this, the typical, the, the way the typical entrepreneur operates. And I can talk about this and I talk about this with passion because I did this myself. The way the typical entrepreneur operates is they operate transactionally, meaning that they think that, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invest a certain amount in advertising, I'm going to invest 100 bucks, and I'm going to get 150 or $200 back. Like, that's what we've all been taught. That's what we all see as business, like, transactionally. I spent uh, 100, I, I make back 200. And every time, right? So if it costs me 10 bucks to get a customer, well, that customer better spend 20 with me or 15 or 25 or whatever the, the amount is. But I, I then, you know, later on, really a number of years after I got started, and I think we, we talked about, I've been online for over a decade and a half now, and it took me a number of years before I really learned that that's not at all 
the way the typical uh, um, direct response, su typical successful direct response entrepreneur or marketer operates. That's not the way the biggest, most successful direct response driven companies operate. The way that they operate is they operate more like an investor, right? They recognize that there is what's called the front end and the back end. The front end is acquiring customers. The front end is all the marketing that you are doing with prospects in order to turn prospects into first time buyers. And the goal of that marketing is to acquire the maximum number of new customers. That means that like at a bare minimum, right? Like or really I should say you're, you're either willing to, um, to go negative, like go in the hole, as you would say, or at a bare minimum, like you're willing to break even, meaning you spend a thousand, you make back a thousand, but now you've got Right. So if you're willing to spend a thousand to make back a thousand in the form of new customers, really what you're doing is you're acquiring customers for free. You're building a list of your most valuable asset customers for free because your bank account is no less today than it was two days ago or three days ago. You spend a thousand, you recoup that thousand. So now you're, you're back at break even in your bank account, but now you've got customers that you know are going to be, are, are going to go on to be worth more and more money to you. And so I tell all of our students, I, I, I guide all of our students and clients and customers to start off at break even, not starting, not start off going negative. Once your business matures and you've got cash flow, you, you're, 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 you are extremely um, cash flow positive and you know your metrics, you know what it is that a customer is worth on day zero, on day seven, on day 15, on day 30, on day 60, 90, then you can make some decision. Then you know, well, we've got this much money that we're willing to float. We know what a customer is worth in seven days and 15 days and 30 days and 60 days. And so how negative you're, you're willing to go depends on those two factors and every business is different. We're going to take a break in this uh, enthusiastic proceeding to play a special game we prepared for you. You're known for your big marketing idea. So we're going to list off a bunch of different famous, I'm going to say famous, inverted commas, uh, famous people who are famous for having a big idea. That might be that's something they invented or an organization or product they founded. We want to see how many of these you can pair up in 60 seconds. The first one is Charles Babbage. What did he invent? Charles Babbage. I'll give you a clue. It wasn't cabbage. He invented shuffleboard. <laughs> ah, close. It was the computer. Thomas Edison. Thomas Edison. He invented, uh, what are you guys going to say? You guys are going to say he invented the wristwatch. No, it's the light bulb. Come on, man. <laughs> no, I thought that you guys were playing it. Like, I thought, okay. I didn't think we were going straight up invention with me here. What about John Deere? Uh, he, he invented the blanket. <laughs> tractors, tractors. <laughs> Alexander Graham Bell. Uh, the telephone. Yes. Yes. Ding, ding. Uh, Larry Page. What did he found? Google. Yes. The Wright brothers. The plane. We'll give you it three. Yep. Alexander Fleming. He uh, invented uh, some medicine. Yeah. Yeah, Still he can have that. Selling. Yeah, Bill Gates. Uh, Microsoft. John Logie Baird. I have no idea. Oh, hang on. The dinner's ready. No, no, it's not. <laughs> the timer's over. Look at that. That was not bad. Five. Um, John Logie Baird was the television. Five. Oh, boy. Okay. See, I thought Five that you guys... Nine. Okay, so, man. I Five out of nine. A, That's a I good conversion. I would have brought a diff my, my game face if I would have known. <laughs> Five out of nine. That's a good conversion rate by my standing. I think. Not bad. Not bad. <laughs> not bad at all. Let's get back to some serious marketing. Yeah. So, well, we've got to be willing to go in the negative. We are invested in a business. Of course we are. We have to know those numbers. But I suppose for some people who are, at, who are on that sort of scale up process, 
What are some viable modern methods for cash flowing that ability? Yeah, so that's a great question. So the key to focus on uh, is your, and I'm going to try not to get too technical here. The key is to focus on increasing your average order value. So the average order value is what is the average amount of money that a customer spends with you when they go through your campaign? So let's take, you've got a listener who's got one marketing campaign right now. They're trying to get their business uh, off the ground or they're trying to scale the campaign. And so they have, you know, an offer, you know, $7 thing that they're, that they're offering, let's just mm -hmm. say, well, their goal should be, or their objective should be to increase the amount of money that a new customer spends with them uh, by the time they're done with their campaign. And so there's a number of things that you can do. You could certainly increase the price point of your product. You can test increasing the price point from seven to nine, seven to 10, seven to 15. You can add in what's called a bump offer, which is an additional checkbox offer on the order form. You could do things like add in, of course, upsells, downsells, add-on offers, second chance offers. There's a variety of different ways to do that. The, the point is that the game becomes then um, increasing average order value because the way to think about it is, is this. Again, going back to our investor example, like look, if it costs you, let's say $10 to get a customer and hypothetically you're selling something for 10 bucks, right? Let's keep it real simple. It costs you $10 to get a customer. You're selling a product for $10. That means right now you're breaking even. You're not profiting any amount of money. All you're doing is acquiring customers for free. Well, if for whatever reason you really, you needed the cash flow right now, like that's your, that's your game. You're not, you, you shouldn't try to decrease your cost of acquisition. You shouldn't, it's a lot harder to increase your conversion rate uh, to decrease your acquisition costs, it's a lot easier to increase the value of every customer. So if we can, let's say, uh, um, put on, you know, put a um, present an upsell offer or a downsell or an add-on offer that uh, that a percentage of people take, that any percentage of people take, we immediately increase our average order value from ten dollars in this example to some additional number. And if our, if our uh, acquisition costs remain the same, now we are cash flow positive on that campaign. Does that make sense? It does. I actually spoke to a client recently who's, uh, who was getting a campaign up and running, giving away a free report of some description, acquiring subscribers for about a dollar a head, which was great for the market he was in. But none of those people were going on to buy anything from the funnel. Yeah. So I was like, and he was like, but I've, got the, I've worked really hard to get the, the acquisition cost of the subscribers really low. And I was like, no, no. It's you worked really it's hard to get the quality <laughs> of the people really low. <laughs> yeah, well, he wasn't even like, look, you know, what we're talking about, I mean, if you really want to, we're talking about customer acquisition costs. What does it cost you to acquire a customer? Like, exactly. look, you, you could have the lowest lead acquisition costs, you know, of anybody in your industry, but if you're not acquiring customers, it's only a matter of time before you go out of business, right? And that's, that's an example guys of, you know, of entrepreneurs and marketers that optimize for the wrong thing. They optimize for, they'll, they'll talk about, you know, we, we optimized our campaign to decrease our click costs on our ads. And so now we're paying 20 cents to get a click on a Facebook ad. Or they say, right, we're, we optimized our, our opt-in page. Um, now we're getting 60% opt-in rate. 60% of the people that hit this page enter their name and email. Well, both of those metrics, the reality is who cares? Like if you're not making sales, if you're not generating sales and acquiring customers, you're, you're going to go out of business. It's only a matter of time before you, you can't, 
deposit click-through rate. You can't deposit opt-in rate. None of those things are why you're in business. All of those things should lead to, right, conversion, sales conversion, should lead to ROI. And at the end of the day, ROI is the only thing that you can deposit. Everything else is a vanity metric, an optimization metric. It's not, you, you could have a 50% opt-in rate, have 20 cent clicks. You could be rocking it and you could go out of business. It, yeah, and that makes perfect sense. So talking about those vanity metrics, have you found that there are uh, some of the channels that you could advertise on are more vain than others? And there are some th- places where people are advertising, quote unquote, to be seen and because you should be, rather than some of them being more sort of effective at actually getting you an ROI? Um, I don't think it's there. I wouldn't point any blame on any channel because I don't, it's, it's the way marketers will either use a particular channel or probably more accurately. It's the way they track what it is that they're doing on those channels. Like if, if all you're doing is tracking the number of clicks and what you're paying for a click, or if all you're tracking is how many visitors you're getting or uh, what it costs you to get a visitor or what it costs you to get an opt-in or how many opt-ins you're getting, none of those things are, none of those things confirm the viability of a channel. Again, because you could be getting impressions, you could be getting clicks, you could be getting visits, you could be getting opt-ins, you could be getting all those things. And all those things could be at an extremely high rate, regardless of the channel, regardless of whether it's YouTube, Facebook, Google, Instagram, doesn't matter. And if you're not tracking the ROI, where is the money in that activity, then you, you're, you are eventually, you're, you're either wasting money on something that you have no idea, or you're potentially wasting money on something that you have no idea whether it is effective, profitable. You have to define what does effective mean. And in the world of direct response, you've got to be careful that you don't get caught up in these metrics that on the surface can seem like they are productive. Like, you know, click-through rate. You could have a click-through rate through the roof, but that does not mean that it's producing money. And we're not in the business of generating ads that get a high click-through rate. We're in the business of generating ads that lead to sales at a cost that is viable for us to grow our business. I don't really care. Like, look, let me, let me tell you this. Let me just say this. If you put in a dollar into a campaign, whether that campaign is on Facebook, YouTube, Google, or Instagram, or Twitter, or wherever for that matter. You put in a dollar, and for every dollar that you put in, let's just keep it real simple and say that you generate a dollar back in in sales in the form of a new customer. So you spend a hundred, you get a hundred back. You spend a thousand, you get a thousand back. And you get that money back in the form of new customers. I do not care how low your click-through rate is, how low your opt-in rate is, how low your sales conversion rate is. None of that stuff matters to me because none of that stuff changes the bank account. For every thousand dollars that you put out, if you get a thousand dollars back in the form of new customers, all of those other metrics could be extremely low and you're still building your list of customers for free. Yeah, I love this. And this really stands to a sort of, it makes sense, I guess, because I see lots and lots of people doing this and lots of people teaching it, uh, basically driving cold traffic from Facebook into landing pages where they give away some sort of free report or free opt-in or something. And one of the things that stood out to both of us was recently when we saw your uh, campaigns is you're driving people straight into that $7 offer. And most people are saying, no, you can't do that. You can't drive cold traffic into a bit. So first of all, is that traffic totally cool that you're doing it? And how do you actually make that work so that you can take paid ads, media buying, drive it straight into a paid offer and actually make it work well? Yeah. So, um, the answer is yes. It's, you know, you, you probably have seen, we, we spend probably, I don't even know, $90,000 a month on Facebook ads. Um, and I would say that the overwhelming majority of that money, um, is 
are ads that are driving people straight to an offer. So we're talking about cold, right? And, and the bulk of that money is not retargeting. It's not our own list. It's cold traffic that we are, uh, that we're targeting. And to answer your question, how do you make it work? You make it work with a big idea and a great offer. That's it. At the end of the day, that, that's it. I do believe that to go from cold traffic to uh, straight to an offer, you can't go high priced. You're not going to go straight from cold traffic to an offer for a $2,000 thing uh, or a $1,000 thing. That's just, it's not going to happen. You need more follow-up. You need more time with the prospect. But certainly when you're lower on the spectrum in terms of price point, you just have to have a great idea and you have to have a great offer, you know, a big marketing idea and a sin offer. And, um, and that's it. And you've got to recognize that this is not a game of, of, um, you know, most of your at bats are going to be home runs. This is just the opposite. This is the way to look at it is this, that, you know, I would say that seven, eight out of 10 variations of campaigns are not going to work. Meaning you're going to try to run it to cold traffic and it's not going to recoup enough of your money. You're going to, you're, for every dollar that you spend, you're going to recoup 15 cents or 18 cents or 20 cents. You have to, you have to recognize that this is a game of iteration. So like I mentioned earlier, our book campaign, um, right? So to get to that 40 to $43 value per buyer, it took us probably six iterations, six versions of that campaign, six different kind of tests that we rolled out. When we first rolled out that campaign, it wasn't producing 42, 43, uh, $44 per customer. It was producing less, so much less that it was, it wasn't viable. I wasn't willing to continue to spend 60. Like we were still able to acquire customers at, at 60, $60, but what we were recouping was, was too low. It was, and so iteration, and you've got to recognize that it's, it's similar to, you know, baseball in professional baseball, uh, you know, look, you could make it into the hall of fame. If you strike out six out of 10 times, you get a base hit four out of 10 times over your career, but you strike out six out of 10, you still make it into the hall of fame. And so that's, that's kind of the, the, that's the mindset that we operate with. As two British guys, we're sitting here nodding as if we understand baseball or anything about <laughs> halls of fame or anything like that. Um, also, I mean, that's just so real. You know, eight out of ten of those things are not going to work. It has to. If you're just tuning in, dear listener, you're probably realizing that Todd Brown is not a motivational speaker. He's, <laughs> <laughs> he's no, a, let me tell you something. Let me jump in and say this: that it's I'm a real speaker, and <laughs> what I mean, right? That this is, but you should be excited to know that look that this can work for you that if you've done that if you've launched campaigns and you failed if you've launched campaigns and you haven't converted if you've launched campaigns and you recouped none of your money from that that's okay that's part of the game and even the best of the best deal with that it's just that the majority of quote unquote experts that are marketing and selling product they're only telling you the the, the good stuff that you want to hear i'm telling you the reality but that reality should make you feel good if you You've struggled a bit up to this point. Yeah, you've got to just keep going. What I like about this is people who are driving ads into a landing page, giving away a free thing, and they're paying two, three dollars a subscribe, uh, two, three dollars an acquisition cost. That might sound terrifying to now say, "Well, I'm going to spend sixty odd dollars to acquire a customer." But actually, truthfully, they're, they're, it's, they're still selling a seven dollar thing after that free report right now, and they're just putting a barrier in the way. So this is a really great way to look at it. Now, Todd, and we're going to take. Could also look, you could also look at it like, look, let, let's say you spend sixty dollars to get a customer, and let's just keep thinking. Let's let's say that you don't you choose not 
not to go negative. You spend $60 to get a customer uh, or $40 to get a customer and that customer is worth $40 to you. You compare that to the marketer that let's say is spending $2 to get a lead um, and they spend, uh, you know, uh, they get a hundred leads and so they spend 200 bucks, but if they're not selling anything, then they're, they're out 200 bucks. I'd rather spend 40 to get one single customer that spends 40 with me than spend $200 on a bunch of leads that don't buy anything. That's great. Right? And I think that a lot of people, what they, they, they've been led to believe that there's the possibility that they can buy, um, you know, into the future. And look, there is a possibility. There's certainly a possibility. You generate a hundred leads, you you spend 200 bucks, you generate a hundred leads today, and then you follow up with them and maybe somebody will buy. Sure. I I don't know. But in that case, you're still floating the money in that scenario as well, right? You're you're still floating that 200 bucks on those hundred leads that you generated. And so you're, you know, you're, you're, you're floating the money either way. The difference is that um, what, I'm, what I'm talking about is that the reality is that the overwhelming majority of, of successful direct response driven companies are, uh, they're not profiting on the front end. Absolutely not, hands down, bar none. That makes sense. And that's a great lesson for people to take out of this. Now, Todd, we're going to interrupt proceedings one more time with our favorite game of the episode. Here's how it works. My colleague Kennedy here. Hello. That's him. He's going to sing a song for you, Todd, but he's going to sing it in the style of a traditional British club or pub singer. That means that some of the words may be somewhat confused and disguised. And your job, Todd, and the listener at home, is simply to guess what song Kennedy sings. Jimmy Hoon of McBean. It's in a scene, a better scene, man. It's in a film, a better scene. Would be in a tent, a Who picked the skiers up the boo? Oh, that was clearly Michael Jackson thriller. You know what? <laughs> That's the like Michael Jackson is the he's, guest he's like that the everybody go-to has. One. You're going to kick yourself. <laughs> that was, of course, Sweet Home Alabama. Darn it! That was my second guess. Actually, I knew it. I knew it. That. Knew, what, it knew, I it knew it. Knew <laughs> it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's talk about this because we both loved the big marketing idea. We think we just we both read it and started messaging each other, saying, "Dude, look at this! Look at this! Look at this!" So, how do you? actually engineer marketing messages that produce such consistent new customer sales and of course use it also to turn existing customers into repeat customers too yeah that's the million dollar question uh you know this is obviously this is a huge topic right this is something that uh you know uh i've done like two-day trainings just on this one topic alone and so let me kind of give you a big picture you know overview so again what is a big marketing idea what are we talking about well for a big marketing idea is intellectually interesting that means it, it feels like it is a news item, like it's newsworthy, right? It's something that you're intellectually curious about, intellectually interested about, regardless of whether there was a payoff, a, you know, a, a promise of benefit, a change. Um, it's, it's something that you would want to read more about because it interests you intellectually. At the same time, a big marketing idea is something that's emotionally compelling. And it's emotionally compelling because while it, it feels like a news item, it also has a promise of benefit. It also it, 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 it gets you emotionally excited because there is a payoff, a result, a transformation that you can experience or that's being promised you can experience by the, um, by the big idea. Now, there's a couple of criteria that are key. Number one, a big marketing idea, it's got to be, it's different. 
right? It's new, it's unique, right? And so the first thing that I would stress is you're looking, you're, you're not, you know, we, we talked a little bit about, you know, how there's a lot of marketers that copy what other marketers do, model their look and feel, their copy, all their, their offers and all that. That's the, that's actually the direct opposite of really what you want to do. That's the antithesis of the right way to approach things. What you're looking for is different. You want to bring a different idea, a different angle, a different perspective, a different story from what everybody else is, is bringing to the marketplace. You don't stand out by bringing more of the same, right? Different gets attention. Better doesn't always get attention. And so we're looking for a different angle, a different story, a different perspective. We're looking for what it is that's hot in the mind of the, the market, right? What it is that is extremely attractive and compelling to the market, but we're looking for a different angle, a different perspective, a, a unique take, a, 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 maybe a contrarian uh, um, storyline or narrative. And so I share that because you have to, in order to come up with big marketing ideas or to develop big marketing ideas, you have to pay attention to the market. You have to pay attention to what competitors or other vendors are already saying to your prospects, not so that you can copy them, but so you know what not to say. Because one of the big for. things you talked about was the fact it doesn't have to be something new, does it? This could be just something that they're not saying. Yes, correct. Correct. Right. Sorry right, because, you, but I was like, it doesn't have to be new. That's the big, that's the big thing. Yeah, it just it has to be new to the prospect, meaning it's something that they haven't heard before. But it, it might be something that's old hat to you, but it's just because it's old hat. Remember, you're not the prospect. And so it's got, you know, what we're what you're trying to do is you're trying to bring an idea to the prospect that is new, unique, and different, right? And like I said, let me take a step back, right? And in the book, the you know, how to find your big marketing idea, I tell the story of of uh, how Mark Ford, right, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, best-selling author, the guy behind, uh, you know, the Agora companies, the, the, the billion and a half dollar a year direct response company, he first told me, he said, we are really in the idea business. As marketers, as entrepreneurs in the direct response business, we're in the business of bringing unique, compelling, interesting, contrarian ideas to the market, ideas that serve as hooks to grab attention, to stand out at, right? Ideas that serve as pattern interrupts. And so in order to develop those, you really, it begins by paying attention to what is being said in the marketplace, paying attention to what it is that your, 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 your marketplace has already heard from others. And the last thing that I'll say just for time purposes is that, um, is that big ideas are not, they don't come to you in a flash of inspiration. This is not about, you know, we're not talking about your next big idea for a product, right? For, you know, uh, uh, the telephone or the light bulb or, you know, or anything like that. What we are talking about is we're talking about you developing, you digging out the big ideas from the product, from what prospects want and from what competitors haven't said yet. It's you researching. The best direct response marketers, the best direct response copywriters understand the enormous value of research. It's a, it's a, it's a, a crappy word, a scary word, an intimidating word, but the reality is the, the, it should excite your people because what it means is that you don't have to be creative in the traditional sense of the word. You don't have to have these flashes of inspiration. You got to understand how to dig into your, the, the product that you're marketing, look at what it is that competitors and other vendors have already said, understand what it is that your market wants and through digging and through a process that I talk about in the book and that I've, you know, we've got crazy trainings on, um, that's where you're able to find the seeds of a big idea that you can then develop.
The really great thing about this, I think, for people listening is that whereas there's so many people who, again, do this funnel hacking thing and they look at other people's stuff and they say, oh, well, you know, Todd's got a $7 product there. I'll have one of those. And it's $297 product over there. I'll make one of those. This gives you the formula for the thinking behind the thing. It's not just another thing. And that's what's so great about this. Yeah, it really is about finding. If you understand the foundations on which an entire campaign is built, you can then build your own property. But the foundations may be the same as long as the understanding is there. We're going to now flip into what we lovingly, lovingly refer to as the quickfire round. Hey, hey, you don't want to miss out on more of these fabulous nuggets, do you? Make sure you subscribe to the Three Marketers Podcast now on your podcast player. So first of all, Todd, give us a book that you recommend. Yeah, I love this book called The Dieter, uh, the Writer's Diet. Excuse me, The Writer's Diet. And it's by Helen Sword. I actually have it in front of me. It's a little book that you could read in one sitting, but it's really one of the best um, kind of best guides, little guides on how to uh, just clean up your writing. And it, that sounds really boring, but it's such a great, it's such a great book for if you're, if you're writing any kind of emails, if you're writing, if you're writing copy for landing pages, if you're, uh, it's, it's a great little book. Love it. What's your top success habit? Something you do regularly? Uh, this is going to sound strange and it might not, you might not be able to see the connection, but I uh, exercise every day uh, at the same time. Like I follow a very strict program and either I just, my mind, since really doing this, my mind, the clarity that I bring is just on a different level. And do you find you get ideas while you're doing that exercise or is it like that give you the clarity for afterwards because you've had that sort of space occupied? For me personally, it's after. I don't know if it's the endorphins, the, the, yeah. the chemical change. While I'm exercising, I'm focused 100% on the exercise. And so uh, for me, it's, you know, I'm focused on the exercise when I'm exercising, but it's, it's afterwards, it's throughout the day. It's just the energy. Yeah, it's, mm. uh, I love it. Love it. Who do you look up to? Uh, I'm going to give you an answer that probably nobody else on your podcast has ever uh, um, given you. And that is the apostle Paul uh, from the Bible. And the reason why is not for what you think, uh, but the apostle Paul was out there uh, really kind of uh, preaching against uh, the, 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 the uh, Christians and then he realized he was wrong, right? He had this meet and greet with Christ, uh, and he realized he was wrong. And then he dedicated the rest of his life to righting the wrongs that he did in the past and, and preaching this message. And for me, the greatest takeaway there is really that this was a guy that was, he was willing to admit when he was wrong, even though uh, what he had said was very public. Um, and he was so willing to take a stand for what he believed in, that he was willing to be ostracized from his community, was willing to be jailed for, um, for his belief. And so I have a, a deep admiration for anybody that is willing to sacrifice to that extent for a value or deeply held belief. Wow, that is, that is unique and deep. All right. What, what are your favorite apps that you think are really useful or really run your life? Um, that's a great question. Um, I don't really rely too much on, on, uh, on too many apps. Uh, I, I mean, uh, I'll tell you that, you know, I, I love Slack for communication with our team, very common. Um, but I don't rely a whole lot on, on apps. 
Hmm. Good. Big important question. Who do you like more, Redhead Rob or Platinum Kennedy? Uh, the truth is I really don't care for either of you guys. Uh, <laughs> you are a horrible human being. I'm joking. You guys are both, uh, you're both great. I, I cannot choose either. That's like choosing which one of your kids do you love more. <laughs> which you could do, right? Put on a leg. <laughs> I could, I could, but I won't share that publicly on this podcast. <laughs> All right. Finally, tell us where can folks go to find out more about you? Uh, I would send folks to bigmarketingideabook.com bigmarketingideabook.com. It's, you can pick up a copy of, uh, of the book that we've been talking about for a few bucks. That's the best spot to go to. It is. And of course, the link to that in case you can't spell bigmarketingideabook.com is all in the show notes that Grace put together for you over at blog.responsesweet.com. Full uh, links over there for you. Todd, thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to come and share this with us and the listeners. I love your podcast. You guys are doing some great stuff, fun stuff. I love the questions and uh, keep up the phenomenal work. Thank you, sir. There's a massive mindset shift there to go away from. If you think about, for anyone who's listening to this, who's currently running or thinking about running ads into some sort of landing page where they give away a free gift, that definitely still works. And the reason why it's so attractive, I think, is that you're able to see results, and we'll talk about what I mean by that in a second, mm-hmm. for low amounts of money. In okay. other words, a conversion yeah. is somebody putting their email address in or registering for a webinar or something. And you can probably get that for two, three, four dollars $4, maybe a dollar, depending on what market you're in. Mm-hmm. Great. That means that if you spend a hundred dollars, you're probably going to see 40 or 50 people taking some sort of action. Yeah. Happy days. But if you were to do what Todd talks about, which is driving traffic directly into like a $7 product or something that might cost you $60 to get one person on your list. And so it's easy to sit back and say, well, for $60 at $2 a conversion, I can get 30 people on my list. For $60 at $60 a conversion, I can only get one person on my list. Yeah. But actually, as Todd said, you're not buying, we're not in the business of buying subscribers and conversion rates. No, we can't pay the bills with, with, that, with that number. Gamble. Exactly. So the big mindset shift, I think, there is to say, actually, if you're currently spending $60 to acquire 30 subscribers and none of those are turning into customers, which that's is quite cost, likely, that's just, just a, cost. a cost. If you're quite, if you're spending $60 to acquire one customer and it's turning into a sale, then suddenly you've got something that's investable. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It really is. It's absolutely huge. It just shows you can actually move people from a cold Facebook ad into making a purchase. That is not a dead duck. I mean, just show, look at how many e-com stores are doing just that because yeah. they know that real lifetime value of a customer. And that's one of the things we all need to get into is what's that customer really worth? And you're only going to find out by building lists of customers. I think one of the episodes that will really help you with this was when we uh, spoke to Troy Brassard all the way back in episode seven. God, that seems like a lifetime ago. And he talked a lot about knowing what your customer metrics are. So definitely go and check that out if you haven't listened already. You should definitely be doing all of that good stuff. Another data, a really good data one actually was back with Nathan Haig. If you want to check that one out too, if you're into that all the way back, even earlier, episode number three. Now, before this turns into a best of the best of the best podcast, (laughs) um, make sure if you missed any thing in Todd's episode today. You go and check out all of the show notes, which Grace has put together for you over at blog.responsesweet.com slash zero four three. That was like doing it in surround sound. That was cool, wasn't it? Surround, surround Glided, surround, glided, surround, gl- glued, glued. That's it for this week. Remember, if you haven't already, do go leave us a review. We'll give you a name check. We'll give you a shout out. We made it really easy for you. Just go to responsesweet.com forward slash iTunes. That's it for next week. We'll see you next week. Don't miss a thing. thing. Check out the show notes at blog.responsesweet.com.